and welcome to the Marcus Cope Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Cope. Hope you guys are well. I had a very special guest join me today on the show, Reese Carter, two-time NBL Championship player, two-time Australian representative, and now assistant coach at Melbourne United. I'm excited to share this episode with you, so enjoy. Welcome to the Marcus Go Fitness Podcast, Reese. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. How are things going for you at the moment? Uh, yeah, obviously it's a little difficult, a little different for everyone. Um, locked in, got uh, two little boys, a bit of homeschool, and uh, yeah, trying to keep up with working things at the same time. So um, some fun, uh, some challenges, but uh, yeah, going along with it. No, that's good to hear. I just want to start off by where you grew up, when did you start playing basketball? Yeah, so um, like yourself, mate, grew up down in, uh, down in Sale in Gippsland, country Victoria, um, and uh, got into basketball at about uh, nine, eight or nine, I think it was, it might have been eight actually. Um, not very seriously, just played it with friends a couple yep. of years. Um, I was a pretty big kid, or a huge kid actually head taller than everyone else so it was a pretty natural thing to just play basketball with your yeah. mates um and uh and yeah just uh got more and more into it and really by about 12 or 13 started to really um take it seriously started playing with some more you know regional country big teams and playing melbourne uh, vjbl state league stuff like that so um yeah and then gradually just uh worked my way up perfect did you play any other sports as well growing up yeah, big tennis family. So, uh, so I spent a lot of my first sort of ten years of my life on the tennis court. Um, yeah. Really into tennis and played a lot. My brother plays, still plays. Parents both played. Yeah. It was a big, uh, big family thing. Um, and obviously, um, footy being yeah. half the kids in country play footy. So um, yeah, really pretty heavy into footy and tennis. Probably more than yeah. basketball until that sort of twelve, thirteen years old, where I started to get more into basketball. Yeah, awesome. Did you find those other sports helped you with your basketball? Yeah, probably. Like, um, you know, just playing footy, um, you have to be somewhat tough or, or at least yeah. learn to go against people who are tough. So um, I think that helps, you know, just being able to play that physical side of basketball. Um, you know, the tennis stuff was all about footwork and agility and side-to-side movement and lateral movement. So I think that really helped as well. Um, yeah, you know, the cross-sports cross stuff is always um, pretty important, I reckon. Yeah, I think so. I think for young kids growing up now, I think like those different types of sports definitely helps with one sport than when they do choose that. Yeah, when they grow up and if they want to go to the one singular sport. Yeah, definitely. No, I totally agree. And I think there's a lot of talk about basketball that it helps AFL footballers, obviously with basketball background and stuff like that. I think it's just the uh, the different range of motion, different movements, Um you know, different muscles you're using. And I thought it was good. It was always seasonal sports. You know, all summer I just played tennis. All yeah. winter I played footy, basketball, sort of would just fit in around those two here and there wherever the season could. Um, yeah, obviously until I got a bit more serious in basketball. But yeah, no, I loved, I loved that I played a lot of sports, trying to push my kids to do the same thing, try a bit of everything and yeah. see what you like and stick with it. As a kid, did you go to the gym much or was it mainly but like basketball training, footy training, sort of that or a bit of running? Um, yeah, I didn't really gym much. Uh, I mean, I was playing, by the time I was, like I said, 13, I was playing under-14s, under-18s and men's competition and in, say, basketball three yeah. nights a week. So 
I felt like uh, I wasn't going out for a run on my other days because then you probably had footy training or tennis yeah. on the weekend or um, I was seven days a week just games and, and maybe a couple of trainings here and there. But yeah, um, yeah gym wasn't a big thing for me. Uh, when I was 15, I uh, moved up to Canberra to the AIS yeah. um, on scholarship there and, and that was where really I started my weights um, and, and strength training and stuff. So that really got pretty serious pretty quick. And they and they had um, like strength conditioning coaches there with you. Yeah, so we had, I mean, we had like Olympic strength and conditioning coaches, which was really lucky. You get, you know, I had no real base, um, so we had great sort of coaches for our technique and, and how to lift and the science behind it. We had sports scientists, we had everything um, at our disposal up there, which was, you know, pretty amazing for a fifteen-year-old coming from sale that <laughs> you just go from that nothing to, to having all these amazing facilities, amazing coaches, um, and just all the resources we had behind our testing and everything we did. So um, that was really good. I was able to make really good gains straight away with my strength, my power yeah. stuff, uh, because I'd come from basically just playing and just yeah. sort of being a little bit naturally athletic and strong. Um, so, uh, yeah, I made some really big gains in that first six months. For, I think the exposure for young kids now, um, it definitely helps um, for them in their later life or when they, if they go into some sort of professional, semi-professional um, as an athlete as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that luckily I was pretty young, 15 still when I went there, but um, you know, some other kids could get right through to 16, 17, 18, and they still really haven't had that access to the, to the high level strength and conditioning um training or coaching and and they really probably are a step behind with it yeah for sure i wanted to tell us about experience playing um for australia at the under 21s um fever world championship yeah uh amazing i mean anytime you get to play for australia it's pretty cool um was applied two world championships the um the under 19s and under 21s which they've ended up scrapping under 21s and now there's an under 17s instead but Yep. Played at the last ever under 21s. Um, that was a fourth place, so that was a okay tournament. But the yep. um, the under 19s in 2003, we uh, yeah won the gold medal, beat the US in the quarterfinal. Uh, home nation, I oh, know, sorry, beat Greece in the earlier rounds. Uh, beat Croatia in the semi and and beat Lithuania by a record 38 points or something in the final. Um, yeah, after losing to him in the in the rounds uh, in the second round, so yeah, amazing. I mean. It's just a different thing. Like it wasn't, uh, you know, like in the NBL, we've played in front of 10, 15,000 people and, and yeah. big things like that. It wasn't like that because obviously there wasn't many Australians. It was in Greece. There wasn't many Australians there. The Greek games were packed, five, 6,000 stadiums. Um, ours weren't as packed, but so it wasn't like that amazing atmosphere, but it was just that feeling we had internally. Like we're here representing Australia. A lot of our families were there. Um, and just, yeah, when that buzzer went, uh, yeah, still, I watched a video probably about three months ago, like someone on the shed, yeah. one of the boys that shared and you watch it again, it's like, yeah, the, just the absolute excitement and just um, the joy that everyone felt. I mean, winning gold, we were the first um, under-19 team, the under-23s, when they used to do under-23s back yeah. ooh, 97, uh, won a gold as well. But yeah, it was, it was pretty special. Like I said, we beat the US team, had like seven NBA guys that went on to play NBA. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like even Lithuania had a couple of NBA guys as well. I mean, we had one, Bogut was okay. <laughs> he was <laughs> 30, and, 30 and 20 or something like that in, in the final yeah. and like a 28, 28 and 18 for the tournament. So he was okay. But um, yeah. 
but yeah, we had a cool, had a cool, really good group of guys. So it was just, just amazing. Yeah. Do you still keep in contact with them today? Yeah. So um, most of them are finished. Like Damien Martin just retired from yeah. Perth. Obviously, he's been a legend in the NBL. Um, I played with him at two separate occasions in the NBL during our yeah. careers as well. And so we stay close. We stay in contact. Um, a few of the other guys played around the league against me and with me forever. And same thing, yeah. we you know stay close. Uh, Bogut being over in the US most of his career, we, you know, I didn't speak to him for like six, seven years or something, just, you know, paths didn't cross kind of thing. And then a couple of years ago, he sort of hit me up to come and work out of his venue. He's got training venue here in Melbourne a few years while he was in between his Golden State um, preseason. And so a few of us went out there and, and worked out and, and, yeah, caught up with him again, obviously, this year back in the NBL. So, uh, yeah. and it's sort of just, like I said, some of the guys I'm not best friends with, but like every time you catch up, there's that bond. And so the same with, uh, you know, Damo I played with and, and Bogues and all the boys. So it's, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool um, bond that we always have. Even if we don't all keep in touch weekly, it's like, a, it's a good thing. Bogues was probably the only one, like when he was the only one play, like played in the NBA from that team. Yeah, he was the only one who went NBA. So we had Brad Newell, he got drafted, but never played in the NBA. Like Alex Marich played seven years of EuroLeague and, and was All-Star 5 and all sorts of things. Um, yeah, uh, Steve Markovic played high level in Europe as well for a while. But most of the guys, um, so we have Matt Knight, Damian Martin, Brad Newell, uh, all in the NBA over the last few years. Um, a few other guys that uh, played in the NBA a couple of years and then and didn't keep on sort of going. But uh, overall, most like 11 of the 12 played pro at some point and NBA or Europe. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool group. Definitely awesome listening to it and it would have been a great experience for yourself. Uh, next one I just wanted to ask, so your first uh, professional career at South Dragons, do you want to explain a bit about that and how much of obviously excitement um, to get, I suppose, the first contract with them? Yeah, so well, actually, um, my first oh, uh, NBL season was with Victoria Giants. Oh, there you go. Which was oh. a team... They were only for two years and then they dropped out of the league and then Dragons sort of took their license, changed name and, and became the Dragons. Um, yep. So, but yeah, still here in Melbourne. Um, do you want to touch on that one and, as well then? Uh, yeah. There's Sorry? Do you want to touch on the um, Giants one then for, I suppose, the excitement of the first contract there then for me? Yeah. Yeah, well, like I was 18, still at the AIS, living in Canberra. I got the call, like, you know, we want you to come be on the team. and Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd looked at going to college in the US. Um, yeah. I was talking to some US colleges and, and thought that path would be good. Um, but I uh, ended up, yeah, getting offered back in, you know, home state in Melbourne, close to home. Yeah. Uh, with uh, playing the Giants, who Darren McDonald, D-Mac, was on that team. Yeah. Uh, I was going to be his backup. That was pretty cool. He was like my hero growing yeah. up. So I was like, you know, go and play with D-Mac. And, yeah, and a pretty cool pretty cool situation so yeah I didn't I didn't play a whole lot sat on the bench a lot um but got in and yeah a few minutes here and there and uh did a few things but just being a part of it was pretty cool so that first little bit um yeah it was just exciting to be like you know 18 and my yeah the first game that I didn't actually go to the court the first game yeah first couple of weeks later first game I got in the game I subbed in and and had to um guard Andrew Gaze for 30 (laughs) seconds um, and then Gazy subbed out, and so I moved on to Leonard Copeland. And so it was like this whole, you know, garden ropes and, and drill. It was like, uh, you know, these are gods that you watched growing up early 90s. Yeah. I'm 10 years old watching these guys throwing alley oops on TV, you know, when basketball was yeah. as it is again now. And it's peak, you know, like it was, uh, it was pretty surreal. Professional environment that you just got thrown into a bit. Can you touch on that? 
Yeah, well, um, like I said, luckily for me, like AIS, we were, yeah. I mean, we trained every day, almost twice a day. We had our weights, we had sports science, massage, we had everything. So yeah. going to the Giants, which was kind of a, a lower budget team in the NBL at the time, um, yeah. I mean, there wasn't anything new. Like, if anything, we, we didn't have all the sports science and all the, um, you know, the extra thing. We had strength and conditioning coaches, but yeah. um, that's it, those two guys. And, and so I don't think it was a huge shock as much as the level of play was the shock. Like the professionalism and stuff, they've really drilled that into us at the, at the AIS that yeah. uh, we need to already be at that level. Like by 16, you know, I knew I was doing my recovery. I was doing yeah, every session. We were in a hot, cold spa. We had all those facilities there. So, yeah. um, so I think it wasn't much of a shock there, but obviously the level of these guys that were pros for years, it just their bodies and everything. It just had that time to grow and, uh, and get stronger and the athleticism and everything was was on another level did anyone take you under your wing yeah well um dmac was really good he was awesome yeah. you know in my first year he was like a legend of the game you know but we played so differently He's such a special kind of player that like yeah as far as modeling my game it wasn't so much of that it was more like you know talking to me about seeing things and how to look at things and and, and different things like that he was really good at yeah. um and obviously a few things that i picked up playing wise as well of him um, had a guy, Darren Smith, who was a great player for a long time. Uh, twin brother, Jason Smith, played Olympics and stuff. Darren didn't quite reach that level, but was a great yeah. pro for a long time. Uh, he was really good uh, with me as well. And then uh, my rookie season, I was 18. And the other rookie on the team was Dave Buer, who was a 36-year-old American who had been in Australia playing in the state league level and everything for like 15 years. Um, <laughs> and got his first shot as a player in the NBL at 36. And so he was awesome. I lived with him uh, yeah. actually my second year, but he was great um, for me as well. Just, yeah, just with, with life, living by yourself, all those kind of things, the 18-year-old. And, and um, yeah. yeah, just a really great, calm head, smart guy that knew what he was doing and still keeping contact with him. He's coaching in the NBL one with none awarding still. So yeah. um, some really good guys on that team helped me out. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we'll go back to South Dragons now. So um, your experience there, how was that? And obviously winning a championship there as well. Yeah, so um, pretty crazy. The year before, I had three years at West Sydney Razorbacks. Um, yeah. And then basically I told they didn't want me back. Uh, really rough year, didn't play much. The team went really poorly. Yeah. Um, and everyone was kind of, they cleared out a few people. And, and I ended up just coming back to Melbourne trying to play Big V in State League and just yeah. try to find a job somewhere and ended up just asking if I could go and train with the Dragons. Uh, yeah. They were doing pre-season training, had a few spots, and I just went in there and just yeah. just worked so – like just harder than I ever worked. I always thought I worked hard, but after that year I realised I never did. I just yeah. absolutely killed myself for everything that pre-season. Yeah. Uh, and eventually Brian Gorgian, the legendary coach, just sort of said, I'm, I'm seeing the way you're working. You know, you're at a higher level than everyone else in here and just whatever, I'm going to give you a shot. And I was like, oh. This is amazing. No one else wanted me at the time. Yeah. 24th, I thought my career was over for a while, you know. So, yeah. and then obviously Gorge being pre the greatest coach of Australia, in Australian history. Like, he's exactly. just, and there's a reason for it. I mean, he's just an amazing motivator. Like, he just knows how to get the best out of people uh, as well as just being a great technical coach. And, um, and so that team, we put together a bit of a super team. Like, we had a few young guys that um, myself, Nathan Herbert, um, Adam Gibson had sort of established himself. We were still really young. Yeah. Um, and uh, a few guys that were 
you know, really just willing to play a role. Um, yeah. And then a few superstars on top of that. Ingalls, obviously, is going yeah. to be okay. Uh, Worthington came off Olympic year. Um, we had Dante Smith, who had just been in the NBA a year earlier. And um, Tramel Darden went on to play five years at Real Madrid in the EuroLeague. Like, a few amazing players. But the best thing about that team was that everyone was just committed to their role on the team. No, no egos above the team. Um, and, yeah, to come back to Melbourne again, home state, friends all around, uh, yeah. family at every home game. When the team was bottom of the ladder the year before, I was out of contract the year, in the off-season and yeah. come in and we go up the ladder, win the championship. Yeah. First ever time winning a championship was just, uh, yeah, it was crazy. Is it like the atmosphere and obviously playoffs is obviously a different level to regular season? Yeah, well, um, obviously the finals, the grand final, we played the Melbourne Tigers. So yeah. the Crosstown Melbourne rivalry, best of five series, all yeah. five games in Melbourne, uh, you know, like every news channel in between each game was reporting on it. You know, every newspaper had a big, you know, we had back page of the paper. And obviously one of those games, like got into a bit of a biff with, uh, with Chris Anstey. Um, <laughs> that was the first time I'd had a big picture that took up the whole back page of the paper, just me and Chris going at it. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Like it was a big deal. Um, and yeah, like we, our, we played at Melbourne arena back then, high sense arena. Um, yeah. And you know, 10, 11,000 at every home game for the finals. Um, yeah. Just amazing atmosphere. And then just to win it. Like I'd never, yeah. um, you know, won an NBL championship. That was my fifth year, sixth yeah. year even. Um, and uh, yeah, it was special. Just really cool. Same thing. Just got that bond with guys you know, still that we're on that team, you know, Ingles over in Utah, still keep in touch with him. And Gibson's yeah. at Southeast Melbourne is a rival of ours right now, but yeah. <laughs> still really close with him and, and these guys. So, um, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, no, that's really good. I want to go back on to the, um, we'll go back into the fitness side of things at the moment. Um, so how yeah. many days did you like lift and then how many days did you recovery? And also I just want you to touch on a little bit of nutrition for me too, please, how important that is. Yeah, so I mean, it's changed over the years depending on how our season was. These days they've um, shortened the season a little bit, you know, more games, more compact. It used to be sort of one game a week yeah. um, or a double head or road trip sometimes. But um, so a lot of the time back then it'd be, Saturday games, uh, Saturday nights. So we sort of have like a Monday lift and and practice. Yeah. Um, Tuesday, we probably lift and practice as well. Uh, Wednesday, just be like a shooting type day. Yeah. Um, so not a full team practice, but you just do skill work and shooting. So a lighter day or even sometimes a day off, recovery day to swimming and stuff. You get your own shots if you wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Thursday, another weights and a, and a um, practice. Yep. Friday, a light practice with some shooting and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, Saturday game. And so then yep. Sunday recovery day and then sort of do it again. So that was a, a sort of standard week back early in my career. Yep. Um, and to be honest, I was always pretty good with my nutrition. I wasn't yep. too bad. You know, I love a pizza here and there. Who doesn't? But, um, yep. you know, I wasn't going crazy with it. But yep. I knew where my line was. We'd always do skin fold tests. I knew where my sort of sweet spot was. Yeah. Um, where I could be, you know, get a lot of training done and still have energy and still be, be at a high level, but yeah. um, keep you know, body fat pretty in check. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd go kind of boring with my diet a lot of the time. Like, I uh, I was one that was fine with just making, you know, lean chicken and veg yeah. stir fry with a bit of splash of soy sauce and chili or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And a bit of rice. But, 
and and like I'd eat that, like I'd make enough for four and just yeah. eat it the next three days or something like that. So um, I wasn't all that adventurous trying to go crazy, but I just, yeah, yeah I, again, I wasn't the most strict. I had teammates that were just really on top of it and were amazing. Yeah. Um, but I definitely yeah. wasn't letting myself go and I made sure I, I recovered well enough. Um, yeah, definitely. Session. And then you found where, like, taking care of nutrition and recovery, did you find your performance was really good on the court? Yeah, I think that year I had with the Dragons, like I said, I was 24, six years in. I probably went a bit more professional. Like, back, yep. you know, I'm talking 2003, four, five, six. You, know, you hear the same stories about AFL and everything. And then, yep. you know, it's the same. Like, you play on a Saturday, and, like, the team, you know, it would be team bonding after the game. You'd yep. you know, get on the beers and just yep. hang out, go out all night. Like, it was just a sort of normal thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Wednesday off, it wasn't that uncommon to have a, like, casual catch-up and have some beers on a Tuesday yeah. afternoon or night, you know, because Wednesday was going to be off. So, yeah. um, that year I played at the Dragons, though, that's when I really sort of straightened up and went next-level fitness and just yeah. went harder and harder at practice, did extra practice, did extra shooting, got my diet even probably to a better level. I was probably sitting at a six or seven, really took it to, like, a nine, you know, really yeah. just, um strict with it and, and got better and I think that was my breakout year on court I was in the best shape I had um yeah. some really big games and and really sort of made my name a bit more that year so I mean it's it's no secret it's it helps you know and I was yeah. young before that and didn't value it as much and just thought yeah. you could go out and play but um yeah the, the value was there as soon as I really um really settled down and, and did the right things no, I think it's uh, yeah, very important. Even same again in your lifestyle now, but uh, just like, uh, gen- like us as general um, population people as well, I think it's, it makes a big difference day-to-day life, but also, yeah, same again um, if you are playing sport as well. So touch on with um, coaches, like strength conditioning coaches throughout your whole career, did, did most of them like set the same like, kind of schedule? I know there might have been a few different coaches might do a few different things to other coaches, but mainly was it kind of similar structure and schedule? Yeah, not too, too different. Like, uh, we have one guy, um, actually Nick Popovich, who's with me now at Melbourne yep. United. Uh, he was our strength and conditioning coach at the Dragons when I was yep. there back years ago. He spent 10 years in China in between, and, and now he's back. Um, he was, I mean, he's a he's one of those, he's like OCD. He's like yep. on top of every little thing. He's just so strict <laughs> on it. He's huge on your diet. And like, yep. he pushed me a little bit with the diet side of things. Yeah. Um, but also with the, the weight side of things and Gorgian as a coach yeah. sort of empowered Pop to really push us and really get us in shape because we had to play hard and you needed to be in shape. So yeah. um, he was probably on another level to a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think there's there was times where during the season where we were tired because of it, but yeah. overall the way he structured it through the season, he had a plan for it, tapering everything at the right time. Yeah. Um, sort of peaked when we needed to and everyone was in pretty good shape. So or great shape. Yeah, in general, a lot of a lot of coaches sort of very similar. You'd have your hard sessions Monday, Tuesday, ease up on a Wednesday, maybe nothing, and then Thursday we'd be in the gym again and, and more recovery side thing on side of things on a Friday or closer to games. But yeah, it's different now with more games and play a lot of two in a week. Yeah, but uh, but it's still the same idea. Second championship in New Zealand, same again, experience, and is that better than the first one? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, no, I, I don't think it's better than the first one. Yeah, um, different, like different. Um, yes. It was a 
it was it was weird. It was like in some ways it was kind of better because of it, but at the same time, yeah. it was tough. But we we came into the finals like a bit of a mess, you know. Yeah. Like the last six rounds, we lost heaps of games. We were, you know, we were really not looking good. There were, you know, the guys were kind of fighting a little bit in the team, and it was yeah, like, yeah. you know, some goes down on form and and. Um, and it wasn't ideal. And so we had a leadership coach, a leadership guy come in, um, Trent Hotton, ex-AFL guy. He works with us now again at Melbourne United. Um, yep. he, um, he came in with immediate, like almost crisis type meetings, you know, like a week, yeah. before, a week before the semifinals. Um, <laughs> and that really kind of helped. It was wild. But, um, yeah, Cedric Jackson, the import, who's been around the league and was ex-MVP and everything, he was yeah. one that was a bit down and, and wasn't in a great space right before that. And that sort of turned him, I think, and, yeah. and just turned it on and almost carried us through the semis, got to the grand final and, yeah, hit a, a fadeaway, a Ken Abekwe, other import, hit a fadeaway <laughs> game winner on the buzzer to win game two at home. If we miss that, we've got to go back up to Cairns for game three, deciding game, yeah. probably lose it. So, um, huge shot, huge shot. Uh, and, yeah, the just the... Again, anytime you win a championship, you've yeah. been working so hard. It's been eight months, nine months of just grind, and a lot of it's not all fun and games. So when you get to that feeling, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's also I remember watching that game, and yeah, it was definitely um, very good to watch as well. Yeah, no, entertaining series for sure. <laughs> Last question I just want to touch on for you is, uh, what's your position now um, at Melbourne United? And do you see yourself pursuing coaching as a career? Yeah, well... Um, I've kind of found myself as uh, in a coaching career already somehow. Um, yep. I, I finished playing only two years ago and um, and Dean Vickerman is the coach of Melbourne United. He was the coach of the New Zealand team that we won the championship. We got along really well. Yep. Um, when I came back to Melbourne, I just to catch up with him for coffee. I'd been playing in Europe uh, to finish my career. Yep. Uh, yeah, so two years ago, I came back and just caught up with Dean for coffee and he sort of said to me then, like, do you want to coach? And I said, yeah, like I've, I've been doing a lot of coaching. Yeah, uh, individual skills coaching and clinics and all that kind of stuff. Done some stuff in Europe with a junior academy and stuff like that. Uh, and Dino sort of said, like, look, we've got a um, an academy starting at Melbourne United soon. We're trying to work on it. Like, I think you'd be great for it. Yeah. Um, if I can get you involved somehow, would you do it? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. Like, well, let's let's see what happens. And he calls me back and he said, look, the coaching thing is kind of down the track. It's it's on the move, but right now we need a team manager. <laughs> and I was like, all, all right. And he's like. It's a full-time job. He's like, do you want to come and work at, at United, be a team manager? And he's like, look, it's, there's some admin, there's some stuff, you know, setting up things and whatever. But then we want to use you as well um, yeah. as extra coach. Like, you sort of do a bit of both. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, learn the ropes and all that kind of stuff. So um, did that for six months. And then the academy started. I took over the academy and I took over this year as assistant coach um, and skill development coach with the with the NBL team. So now I've yep. dropped the team manager job, which is nice after, <laughs> yeah, putting in some hard guards for six months. But, uh, yeah, so now I do a lot of the skill work, a lot of the guards. Uh, obviously, it was, you know, my position, a lot of the stuff I've been doing for a long time. So I work with a lot of the guards on their skill stuff. Um, and then, yeah, just I've been able to sort of be in a real assistant coach role this, this last season where uh, all trainings and, and home games, I just didn't travel away on the road. So we have four coaches, yep. the other two assistants uh, were full-time only assistants with the team, whereas I still run the academy on the side as well. So yeah, um, a bit of a dual role at the moment with the team and the academy, but um, it's good. I get to do the development stuff with the young kids, sort of 12 to 18-year-olds in the academy. 
um, which I'm learning a lot about that sort of base level junior coaching, uh, which yep. is a different thing to the pro game. Uh, and then also getting to learn from the, you know, from Dean, from the other coaches about being a full-time coach at the pro level. So I uh, really enjoyed that, really enjoyed working with, you know, all the detail, where editing film and cutting film, watching game tapes, all that kind of stuff, scouting teams. Um, so, yeah, a big part of all that this last season, which was really fun. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I just want to keep learning with it. With the development team, are these, like, are you guys kind of, kind of getting ready for um, the next step to, like, becoming, like, a Melbourne or, like, a yeah, Melbourne United playoffs in the NBL, really? Yeah, that's our plan. So, we've started, it's opened up from, from like, under 12 all the way to under 18. Yeah. Um, what we hope is that some of the kids that are in it now, within a three to five-year span, can move up, you know, along the steps, become a development player, become a contractor player, yeah. um, whatever that is. Um, it's so new. We've been around less than a year. We had, sort of, three school terms where we run at the moment. Um, yeah. uh, and we, we don't get a whole lot of time with a lot of these kids. They've got so many things with their clubs and with everything else. We just get one session a week um, yeah. in their small groups, in their age sort of that I go out and take most of them. We have a lot of other satellite coaches too that I sort of organise and, and get sorted so they can we can have a lot of kids in the, in the uh, academy. But um, we're not there yet, but we really hope that within a few years we can help these kids develop and, and start bringing them into the, to the NBL program. Yeah, how's the team looking at the moment? I know circumstances with obviously at the moment, but were they like a good shape and they're looking, are the players looking very ready to go? Yeah, well, we've moved the season to December. So season yeah. start December instead of October, so two months back. So that's kind of slowed down everything a little bit. So usually this time of year would be just, would have started full time, everything, weights, training, every day sort of thing, five, six days a week. Yeah. Um, right now we've been going three days a week. Um, So we've been Monday, Wednesday, Friday, with Wednesday being like a really big sort of scrimmage day where we play a lot of games. And Monday, Friday is more skill work and and focusing more on their their gym. So we're going really hard in the gym on the Mondays and Fridays to try to get that guys. This time of year is different, obviously, this year, but this six months, five months out from the season kind of thing, we're really want the guys to focus on their strength and conditioning, like especially their strength stuff, like their... You know, even the guys that have been around for a long time have got deficiencies and things that are, you know, mm. could cause injury. And so we've really got strong focus with our physio. Steve McAdams really great. Obviously, Nick Popovich, strength and conditioning coach we're, and high performance manager. So they've got really good plans for guys of, of how we're managing their loads this far out from the season. Yep. Because it's too long to go be going five days on court for six months or whatever yep. it is. We've got five months we've got left. So, but yeah, I, I think we're in a pretty good place. Um, these, you know, obviously lockdowns and all these kinds of things are... Uh, making it a little bit harder, but we are getting there and I think we're in a good spot. We still got to sign two more players, but otherwise we're putting together a team I think that could be pretty good. Last little bit, would you like to just give some advice for listeners, for people like wanting to play basketball or starting starting to move up to the ranks in your short? Man, there's not a whole lot of secrets uh, in any game really, but especially, you know, basketball, it's, um, it's just about doing the work. Like, you know, you talk about, you know, I talked about my year at the Dragons. It just did the work. Like, you just you just have to train hard, but you also have to recover. You have to eat well. You have to do all those things. And that was what I probably didn't do my first four or five years in the NBL. Um, and luckily, I was just good enough to hang around in the league at that point. But then when I really took off was when I actually just started doing all those little things. And say they're little things, you know, they're not little things at all. And even, you know this lockdown at home, like I've noticed we just eat a lot of junk and yeah. felt tired going to work every day and I'm not playing anymore, but it's the same thing. You take yeah. care of your body, you take 
care of your training, you do the right things, and you, you're just more vibrant, you're better. Uh, and it's the same with your, your game as far as, you know, basketball goes. If you put in the work and do the right things, um, you're just going to get the most out of yourself. And there's no guarantee that you make it to the elite level and you're going to yep. get pro and all that kind of stuff. I've seen guys give it everything and, and not get anywhere near it. But you've got to be satisfied with that. If you give it everything, then there's no regrets. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of young kids hope to get by on talent. And not yeah. it's spot on there. So I'm sure listeners would take that on board and they'll put in the work for themselves there as well. Thank you very much for your time today, Reese. I appreciate it. No worries, mate. It's good to have a chat and good to come on. That's it. Where could listeners find you? Do you have like any social media accounts or is there like anything to do with Melbourne United they can um, keep you updated on? Yeah, so uh, my personal one, just uh, Reese Carter 15, R-H-Y-S yep. Carter 15 as uh, my Instagram or Twitter. Get a little bit of basketball news on Twitter, uh, R Carter 15. Yeah. Uh, and at Melbourne United, Melbourne Melbourne United, yeah, at Melbourne United is, is there. Um, social media, so yeah, always on there. I'm trying to get my face on there as much as I can. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it in the show notes to listeners. Hopefully, uh, the season gets up and running and you goes, guys go really well. So good luck for the season. Thank you, mate. Thanks very much. All right, thanks, guys, for listening. Yeah, it's been a really good chat. So I'll see you in the next episode. Enjoy your day, guys. Uh-huh.